BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by Jeff Edelstein from US Bets. You probably know him well from articles about sports betting that piss you off. That's uh, that's sort of his job to cover the post-sports betting legalization space here in the United States. We talk a lot about that, liquidity problems, you know, all all the uh, all the inherent problems and and positives with sports betting in the United States, get into some DFS chatter, how we both found DFS, our, our first contest, bankroll management, things like that, and then, uh, you know, just just more sort of questions and thoughts on the space that we all continue to inhabit online these days. Uh, if you guys like the show, you can always get bonus episodes by subscribing to patreon.com slash takecast, or you can support the show by leaving a rating and review on iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts, or if you want to be old school, you can just tell someone to listen to the program. That'd be awesome. Now let's go ahead and get into it. All right, everyone would like to welcome one Mr. Jeff Edelstein to the program. You might be uh, familiar with his work from the one time that uh, that he came on the Swolecast. You might uh, have been mad at him on Twitter for his work with U.S. Bets. Uh, Jeff, happy to have you on the program to talk about. Uh, we'll figure it out. You know, we're we're gonna definitely start by talking about sports betting and DFS, and then we'll see where it goes from there. For sure, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my 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 debut, uh, my one time only Swolecast appearance. Always always leave them wanting more. I think that's that's what they say, right? So you know, people are just clamoring. I'm sure to get me back on. So I, I listen, man. I love that. I love that show. I've well, loved the it deal is years, the Swolecast is is much better in theory than it is in practice. Right? It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's a fun, it's a fun, jokey fantasy football program, and then we show up, and no one has any clue who's in or out. Tuttle's barely paying attention. So it's definitely <laughs> like most things in life. It sounds really great in theory, but it's a little bit harder to execute. So a lot of what you do with US bets is categorizing and cataloging things that are going wrong in the legal sports betting world here in the United States. And I think this has been largely surprising to me, honestly, um, because offshore sports betting has existed for so long and sports betting has been legal in major European countries for a long time. And, you know, Europeans don't really care when they get limited uh, for the most part, like most of the conversation you you very casually, like people place three-legged parlays. They know the odds are bad. Um, You know, it's like, it's like, 
but because of the segment of the internet we are in, all I hear about is, is complaining about sports betting. And I wonder, and a lot of complaining about sports betting has been done on this program too. And I wonder if actually people don't really care that 90% of the customers on FanDuel or DraftKings or BetMGM or wherever actually don't care. And the product is kind of working as intended and you know, these these very niche complaints from gambling Twitter are, are not registering at all. Well, they're certainly not registering with the, you know, the sports books who are doing the limiting, right? Uh, I think a lot of the anger kind of comes from, you know, it, you, so you start out with these big bonus offers and people are, you know, they're betting thousands of dollars, right? So you clear these bonuses. And then you show a little bit of, you know, victory, or you beat a closing line value, you know, uh, you know, once in a while, and you find yourself pretty limited pretty quickly, uh, and pretty quickly into like really like low, low, low levels. Um, you know, I've been limited at a handful of sports books. I am not in any way, shape, or form like a sharp. I'm not a big sports better. You know, I'm not betting thousands of dollars, right? But like, I, I think the highlight for me was uh, you know, I'm in New Jersey where you could bet on the Oscars, right? And uh, DraftKings was, you know, they opened up the markets well before the nominations this year. And uh, I thought Lady Gaga was a dark horse candidate, I thought, for Best Actress. She didn't get nominated, but which was good for me because when I tried to bet, I was limited to one penny. And they wouldn't one take penny. the bet. They wouldn't take the bet either because the minimum bet is 10 cents. But they said my limit was one cent. You know, and so it's a little aggravating, right? And I know I, I get complaints from people, you know, on Twitter, you know, about this stuff saying I was limited here, you know, blah, blah, blah. And what's interesting is that, yeah, the big bettors are getting limited immediately. But I think the smaller fish are confused why they're getting limited, present company included. Because sure. they're, yeah. they're not, you know, they're like, why why can't I get more than, 50, you know, $25 down or $50 it, down? Because it's done algorithmically, right? It's, it's, sure. it's not, right. there's like, it's like basically there's like a software that just profiles you uh, and, and can limit you. And I guess my my large question would be, you know, I think we understand at this point, like Congress is not stepping in to help uh, stop limiting customers. Like it's, no, 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 there, it, it'll never happen. I mean, I, I certainly think uh, it's a great idea, right? You can't, you can't, um, you know, uh, limit the, I, I talked about this on the show like a month ago, like you can't be like, you can, you are capped by how much you can win from us, right? But there is no amount of money that I can take from you. There's there some states have deposit limits, but it's not as if there's anything in the regulatory code that's like you know after you lose uh, 19 consecutive bets, the sports book is actually not allowed to uh, not take wagers from you anymore. So it's it's sort of the worst part of American governance in which uh, all the you know all the all the profits uh, all the profits go to the large corporation, and then when it comes when it comes for losses, that's all put on you know Joe Sixpack. Well, I mean, right. Yes, very true. And but it's not. It even works in reverse, though. Like for instance, at one at bet three sixty five, I am down like over a thousand dollars in my lifetime betting there. I'm also limited to like three dollars, you know, a bet. I think because they caught you, me because like, you because you beat closing line value like. Twice. No, I th I I think I got I think I walked into a trap. Every once in a while, I would like ah, you know, let me let me see if I could squeeze twenty dollars in arbitrage here. And I think they lay out lines for you to just walk right into it, so they know that you're like, you know, arbitrage betting. Oh, and to see if you're if you're you. checking uh, scores and odds or whatever to, Probably, to get to get the best know. prices. But not all books are like this. I mean, I've noticed uh, Caesars, for instance. I have been I I've never really heard complaints about being able to get money down at Caesars, uh, you know, at least through their online. And then obviously you have like Circa, 
which operates online in Nevada, Colorado, and they're about to open uh, in the, Illinois. Is it? Yeah, I think it's, I, it's I believe, one of the eyes. It's Illinois, yeah. Indiana, or Iowa. It's you know once once I get past Philadelphia, it all matches together for me. But uh, yeah, so Circa, you know, like everyone has the same, you know, the same caps, the same limits, and like so, I think the way to fix the problem. Uh, is for more is for circuit to you know, come to more states and for other and for Caesars to continue doing what they're doing and for you know more sports books to 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 uh, you know who don't limit customers routinely to really make noise about it and like let customers know that you're not getting limited here. But I think back to your original point, yes, probably for the vast majority of like you know weekend NFL betters, they're not running into this problem. Which is, uh, I mean, that's a huge win. It's a huge win for the sports book and honestly. If uh, a lot of content people were being honest, it like, you know, the uh, if your primary job is is to provide sports betting content, uh, whether you, you know, you be written content, whether it be scores and odds at RG, whether it be, you know, you're on TV or whatever, it doesn't materially impact your audience um, who is getting limited because the, the people who are uh, reading a free article about, you know, who to take on an NFL side those people are not getting limited either. No, no. If you're right. Yes. If you're, if you're right. I, you don't, you're right. You don't have to worry about it. If you're, if you're in the content space, I think your picks are safe. Yeah. And the, the <laughs> Circa model and Jeffrey Benson has, has been on this show. Um, their model is actually not really what people want. It's what, it's what internet Twitter hardos want, which is the ability to get whatever down, you know, fair limits on every game fair um you know vig right like circus very transparent about the vig they have um two-way uh outright markets so you can bet no the chiefs won't win the super bowl no rory mcelroy won't win um you know the pga championship or whatever and i i think that's what people think they want but 99.9 percent of people who are placing wagers on these sites are not uh professional sports bettors and and probably not even uh, able to supplement that income as like a hobby income like it's 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 an entertainment expense for the most part and because circa is so rigorous about the odds that they offer and because they do write so many tickets they can't offer 900 markets for every event you know they because the, they they actually have to post good lines because they're they're posting 10 11 cent lines instead of you know so the, a lot of these sports books were offering like you know 40 cent lines for like nfl draft stuff for example right you're not yeah you're not you're also not seeing any you know 50 percent profit boost coming out of circa you know and it's not you know listen it's nice when DraftKings open up DraftKings in the morning and oh you know 50 percent parlay boost you know what all right i'll bet a fucking parlay then why the hell not you know i'll turn you know instead of turning five into 50 i'll turn five into 75 it makes my day and if i lose my five bucks who cares yeah which is i i uh i would sort of prefer the sports betting conversation to be a little bit more honest, you know, mm. because I, where, you know, in DFS, it is possible to win, right? Like not, you know, not everyone is going to be Osmo. Not everyone's going to be brick, like where they're consistently generating um, profits, but like there are, there are certainly, I would, I would bet my bottom ass dollar. There are more profitable DFS players than there are profitable sports bettors. 100%. And I think a lot of the marketing tactics from DFS have carried over to sports betting when it it is still kind of a peer-to-peer game. You know, Ed Miller talks about that a lot in his book, The Logic of Sports Betting. Like, it's not necessarily you versus the house, but the house is taking 
the house has much more of an advantage and and the, it's not exactly a linear peer-to-peer game the way dfs is yeah no it's not, although i think it, i mean i'd love to see somebody try it right in that like there's no reason why we can't have like you know here's you know 40 games they're weighted based on you know odds and whatever you know and i'm going to take you know the mets run line for nine thousand dollars you know like build a team basically build a betting card uh much like you do in dfs with individual plays it's but make it like games instead uh that that would that would merge the two things together like in a fun kind of way nobody's tried it yet but do you, do you follow what i'm saying yeah i mean so so that exists for props uh for props not, it does yes there's right, not right. there's not a lot of liquidity in this i think thrive fantasy does it i think some of these other sites have have tossed stuff out there like that as well um you know the issue you you run into i i would imagine there's legal stuff going on there because then it's like it's like can i enter that contest right so in missouri right. i can play dfs but i can't sports bet so can i enter that contest where i'm just making these picks or like you know and uh the, these sites have a lot of regulatory hassles already I guess I'm just looking for more ways to gamble is really what it comes down to. Well, and, and DFS, I mean, I, I'm very curious your perspective on this. Like does DFS exist in five years? What, what do, what do DraftKings and FanDuel think about DFS? Are they working on the product? Are they shrinking that environment? Are they just trying to get, well, they, I, they for sure want people to sports bet, right? That's very clear from what they've done with their VIP programs is they want people firing sports bets, but like, is there going to be a time not even that long from now when there's not a millionaire maker for every golf major mm. or for every weekend in NFL DFS or whatever. Uh, I don't think so. I think uh, I I'm probably biased here because I really want there to continue to be a very, you know, robust DFS world, but I, it feels like it's robust enough. Right. Uh, especially in the bigger sports. Like, I guess, you know, I'm worried a little bit about like some of the nichier sports, which I really like playing. Like for instance, uh, you know, like the XFL, like DraftKings, like came pretty hard with it early in the season. And they, you know, they were doing a lot of, you know, like relatively large tournaments. Now we're in week five, week six of the USFL. I think the biggest tournament, you know, their flagship tournament is like a thousand entrants this week. You know, it's a disaster. Yeah. So, I mean, niche sports, I think might suffer, but I don't know. I mean, I, 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 it, it seems to me that there's still a pretty like deep well of people who really enjoy playing DFS uh, even casually, I know, like you know, a lot of like the casual D- people DFS are gone. Is more, DFS is more fun than so much more fun sports betting. So much more fun. It's yeah. not. It's not even close. You know, I mean, I, the the building a lineup is still like you know. Let's take my drafting, family. Drafting yeah. is the best experience in fantasy sports, and it's basically like just getting to draft all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's also why I think underdog is just like, you know, hitting home run after home run. It's such a great interface for best ball. And like, you know, I, I look at the puppy tournaments, the $5 tournaments, they are worth the $5 without there being anything to happen afterwards. Give me 45 minutes of drafting, you know, two or three teams. And that's my money that my entertainment dollar, like I'm, I'm satiated. If I happen to win, you know, in eight months down the road, even better. 100%. I mean, I, I am the huge fan of, of Underdog. I love I love the app. I love drafting best ball. I mean, I definitely would not do it just for the $5. Like I want the, I want, cause I'm chasing Pat Corain. So I got it. <laughs> the, 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 the monetary incentive is there and um, talk to Rudman there uh, who is sort of kind of the jack of all trades there. And, you know, it's sort of similar to how the DFS product has changed and not been used so much as a marketing tool and stuff for these DFS sites anymore. I was kind of worried 
that that was their strategy for DFS, you know, is it, or for best ball is that best ball is the customer acquisition tool, but ultimately what they want is they want people doing pickums. They want people doing rivals. They want people uh, going into their sports books when they exist. I think they're, they're going to have like a brick and mortar location in Colorado, which is very cool. Hmm. But um, that, that was not the messaging, right? It's like, no, right. we love best ball. This is a cool tool. And I mean, you know, it's not a, with the 10% rake on a $15 million tournament. I mean, that's not nothing. Right. right. Um, so it's still, it's still material to the bottom line, especially cause they're not a big, absolutely sprawling company. And uh, yeah, I just, I mean, best ball, best ball is actually my favorite fantasy game in general right now. And talk about like, you know, like the, the small part of the niche internet here, like, and I, I, I interviewed Rudman a couple of weeks ago and he said, you know, basically what I'm about to say here is that this is, best ball is still really like in its infant stage. It feels huge to us because like we're so deep in it, but like, you know, my home league guys, you know, the 12 guys I've been playing fantasy football with for 30 odd years, they're not doing best ball yet. You know, like it hasn't, it hasn't completely reached uh at max, all max saturation not, not, even, not, even, not close. even close not even close you know so i think there's a lot there's a, and once people like i kind of poo-pooed it when i first heard, you know like i knew about fppc and all that like and i kind of poo-pooed it. i'm like what am i going to draw i'm going to draft a team and i'm not going to touch it for like nine months like what fun is that as it turns out it's a lot of fun it is it is a lot of fun. <laughs> how did you how did you hear about dfs what was your what was your introduction to dfs like how early are we talking <laughs> so it's like legitimately it's like where were you when jfk was shot i distinctly remember the so phone call. i i do too <laughs> i remember the i remember the first contest i entered i remember where i was all that stuff yeah no it was like i think it was 14 so i missed out on like star street like i i came in after that but i was at the bus stop waiting for my kid to get off the bus at kinder at kindergarten my buddy matt who i've been playing fancy football with literally since 1986 calls me up he's like have you try have you heard about this fan duel thing i'm like yeah it sounds scammy to me i don't know it's internet i don't know bleh. he's like you should try it he goes once you do it you're not going to care about you know our league ever again now mind you my my original fantasy football league that you know home league that i'm in i would probably spend 20 25 hours a week grinding roto world and sending trade offers and you know waiver wire like you know the whole thing I, I played one FanDuel slate and that was it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hooked, you know, and then I won, I won like 900, I won like a $5 tournament, like two weeks into it. I'm like, this is easy on, on top of it, you know? And it just, it had me, man. It, it was just, that was it. There was one phone, call, one phone. Call, I could, I, I'm looking at my window right now. I see where I was standing, you know, where young Jeff took that phone call. It changed, changed the trajectory of his life. It's pretty good. <laughs> the, the first, the first contest I ever played on FanDuel was actually a hockey contest. Um, so if you came in the game that late, you there was not even a chat function on FanDuel, right? No. When you So back when, when I did it, there was these sites, DraftKings never had it, but like uh, Draft Street and FanDuel, they had like a chat box, right? So you could like, you could like drum up action in there, you know, and I played some guy in an NHL head dead. That was, <laughs> that was my first ever entry. Uh, I mean, shit, this would have been. This would have been like 2013, I think. So, so literally a, a decade, a decade of DFS. I've been playing. How much rake have I paid to FanDuel <laughs> over the year? You know, uh, enough, enough to buy a couple Mazda Miatas for the uh, for the front yard. I bet. And and you know, I I've gone through a lot of iterations of DFS. You know, of being like, oh, I'm going to take this super seriously. Uh, I'm going to grind cash games. I'm posting head to heads for NBA for major league baseball. You know, I'm, I'm really getting after it. And then like, you know, becoming a 150 max bro 
for a little while. That's very hard. Uh, that at you know, and now because I have a real job and health insurance and real salary, like when I was in college, I had like I didn't have to win. I I would have survived, but I was that was like my job. That was right. like you know my my rent money, my uh, my Chipotle money, you know. And I mean, it would be impossible now if you were in college. You you could not generate enough to uh to win that way. Like it's it's crazy how few people are out there who are like not good at DFS because the tools are so freely available. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, I, I miss the old days for me, the old days when like the tools weren't there and like, it's still like when I, you know, it, when I started playing still, even in 2014, you still had to like, I, it, it felt like the when fancy football first started, you really had to, you know, find the information on your own uh, to, you know, to be there now. Uh, yeah. The information is, is widely available. Um but it's uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, there's still people lose all the time. Obviously, the key to D, the, I, for me at least, the key to having a long and successful DFS career as a hobbyist is to get lucky early. You know, at, at my run that allowed me to do this, I, it was 17 or 18, and I was like, you know, nickel and diming, and I in in the span of one week in four three four dollar you know massive contests, I finished second place. Uh, two footballs and a and a basketball, and I won twenty five thousand dollars. You know, and at that point, I had a decision to make: is do I like really do I take that twenty five grand and really like now try to do something with it in this space, or do I just continue doing what I was doing and just have fun with it and know that I could probably now have fun with it for the rest of my life without it. I could lose forever and it not hurt me really. Right. I chose the latter mostly because you know you know. Listen, I'll put it to you this way: I got a joke. Everyone finds funny except one person, right? I am one divorce away from being a pro gambler. Oh, I mean, could not, could not agree anymore, right? It, which is, I, I think probably myself, and I think a lot of people listening to this probably relate to that, where they've had one or two or three or four really good scores. I, I've probably had, if I went and did the math, I would say I've probably had like five, like five figure type scores, but without fail. I mean, literally without fail in my life, that has always coincided with got to buy a new car got to buy a house tax bill way bigger than right. expected. Right. So I have, I have in my life, uh, certainly although the last year or so I've been on like a nice little, I don't know, $20,000 downswing or something like that, probably. Cause I didn't have any big NFL score last year. Last year was the first time I never had like a, uh, profitable season in GPPs and in, in NFL. So if you enter GPPs for the entire season in NFL, and then don't have the one, top five finish uh you're, you're gonna sink a, you're gonna sink a lot of money even if you had a good season in cash because everything you want in cash just went to literal zero in in the tournaments um but yeah one thing that really fascinates me by the way about uh dfs is like the personal psychology of it right when and when you go if you're losing right how i find myself at least that i have to if i'm like on a downswing it 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 affects my lineup building you know what I'm saying? I, st I feel like I start getting tight with some of my decisions that I'm making, you know, in an effort to try to just like stop the bleeding. And then and uh, it goes, it flips the other way. When I'm winning, I'm playing looser. And I think when I'm, I, I think winning begets winning and losing begets losing if you're not careful with this. Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, that is, that is a tale as old as time in gambling. Like I would imagine like in the civil war when they were playing, uh, you know, three card stud or whatever, they were thinking that same For way. For sure. Like, for sure. But the difference here is like, there. it's such a, this isn't, uh, you know, it's not like, 
you know, I have, you know, three of a kind, I'm going all in here kind of thing. This is like, you're, you have to make like, you know, legitimate decisions, like, you know, with every spot in your lineup and like how you build the lineup, you know? And I, I, you just start getting either looser or tighter based I, I at least for myself, based on how I'm doing, you know, it has, a, it has, it has an effect and I work hard to avoid that, you know, and it's funny how, you know, it, how it has bled into other aspects of my life. Right. Where now I really do think, you know, I, I, this is a conversation I know Adam Levitan has had, and I had it with him the other day, as a matter of fact, for the podcast I do for us bets is that you start thinking in terms your entire life like this, right? Like everything becomes like probabilistic, you know, which I think is good. I, you know? Yeah, I would argue. I would argue that's a that's a good way. I think it's to great. Do things. Yeah. You know, I used to like you know, completely like you know, not panic, but like I would you know, toss over decisions for weeks on end. Now I don't really. You know, I'm like, well, here here's the pros, here are the cons, kind of thing. Fifty one percent looks positive on this side. That's the decision, and you you know, process over results, right? I mean, that's that's well, that's, that's like the that's like the classic gambler thing of like uh like great because my wife doesn't like gambling, right? Same, she doesn't same. care. Right. Yeah, she's she's just a very uh she's a normal person, dude. She, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she right. just is like uh I love her. She's great, but she's like a normal person, and my brain is broken from all kinds of things: gambling, being on the internet too much, uh, you know, whatever. And it's like, so like if the milk is expired, she's not drinking that fucking milk, you know? But if I'm like, well, you know, it's a day, it's a day past. It smells fine. Huge percentage of likely it is this is pasteurized milk. It's been in the clean refrigerator. I'm probably not going to get sick. I'm using the milk, you know? Right. And that, so that's, and that's just something like you, you before you really get into gambling and thinking about probability and stuff, you, you would never, it, it, that would never register to you. You'd be like, yeah, I'm just not, not drinking the day old milk. Right. Well, right. It's well, it's negative EV to throw out day old milk. Definitely. Right. It's the same. Uh, argument. Yeah. Yeah. It is. is you know, this, I mean, the argument with me and my wife have is like when it comes time to make like big decisions where we send the kids to school, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's I'm like, yeah, it's yes or it's no. And she's like, yeah, but there's like, you know, there's degrees here. We have to like discuss like the nuance. I'm like, well, you don't have to discuss the nuance. You just have to like what on which side does of the ledger is does it look right? And that's the that's it. You know, there's there's nothing else to do, you know. So that that's that's caused some consternation, you know, on a near daily basis in my house. I mean everyone everyone I think would benefit from understanding probability better. I don't I definitely would not say everyone would benefit from gambling more, you know, because <laughs> uh, it gives you it gives you uh brain worms. But definitely I mean uh the the largest skill set that I've learned from DFS is, well, I mean, I guess like money management is, is a good one. You know, you learn just from being in the space and fucking crypto people and everything. You're just going to think a lot more about like what money is, but definitely a better understanding of probability and, and how that works. It's you stop being afraid to fly and start shitting your pants every time you get into a car as a result. Yeah. Have you read, <laughs> uh, have you read fortunes formula? Oh God. I love that book. Uh, pound Poundstone. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's awesome. That's, yeah. that's like the, I would say that'd probably be like the number one book I would encourage people to read. Uh, if they're like in the space of speculation gambling. And I mean, I guess everyone kind of has to be a gambler these days because, uh, if you, if you don't gamble, you're just going to die working, for the man, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the, the way, the way it's trending, but yeah, that, that it, which is, so if you, if no one's ever read it, it's basically kind of the backstory of the Kelly criterion and really kind of about like finance management in the United States, like how that, how that became a business, which is, uh, 
really just a microcosm of how you should also be thinking about risk and money and, and things like that in general. Yeah. It's hard to though. Right. Because like, you know, it's, you know, the, you know, big events like have like a more profound impact on, you know, like the day-to-day, you know, aspects of your life. You know, as I was joking before, like, you know, with the car in America, 1% of all fatalities each year are auto-related. Right. So wrap your mind around that. That means you have a 1% chance of like, you know, going out in a car one day, you know, that's how you're, that, that's the, that's the, you know, your own percentage, which is, you know, 10 years ago, somebody says 1% to me, I'm like, yeah, it's nothing. You know, now when somebody says 1% to me, I'm like, man, I've seen a lot of 1% things happen in DFS, you know, a, a lot of 1% outcomes, you know, a lot, of, a lot of sub 1% outcomes. Well, yeah, exactly. You, you know, you're hoping for the sub 1% outcome, you know, so it can happen. Right. And so, yeah, you just, it, it does, it changes the way you think. I, again, I agree with you. I think it's for the better though, for sure. It, it is for the better if it doesn't cause you to be uh, paralyzed with indecision. Cause that, I mean, that is the other thing too. If you are, if you are thinking too deeply about too many things, if you're trying to bounce too many variables at once, that is, that is also not a great way to live. But it also, I think it kind of frees you from that also though. Right. Because like, it, let's say you have a decision that has a bunch of variables. Right, because well, nothing in the end, nothing actually matters. Thank you. That's, that's another conversation that my wife hates having. The truth, nobody's going to remember this. And, you know, what do we have? At best, two generations of people remembered us. Do you, I mean, my, my great grandfather, I couldn't tell you anybody, any of their names. You, know? <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't say your great, you don't know your great grandfather's name. No, I really don't. I know, well, I know one of them, Simon Edelstein, but he died like literally like in 1900, you know? That's, I mean, that's crazy because I knew my great grandfather. My yeah. great grand, my great grandfather lived until I was in my 20s. No, not my, my family tree. Uh, my, both my parents were the youngest in their families and their parents were like ancient, you know, when they had them. Sure. You know, I, you know, I, I got pictures, you know, like from like 1900, everyone, everyone was just like born like 83 years old. It looks like. I mean, I feel, I feel like that's kind of like uh, I feel like that's kind of like an East coast thing, honestly, is like everyone from the East coast. Well, and I guess because so many uh, people on the East Coast are either first or second generation immigrants because that's right. uh, if you do the math, that's where people land. You know? <laughs> uh, and and so the because I'm from the Midwest and Midwestern culture is so 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 different than I I mean either coastal culture but really different from West Coast culture. Right. You know the East Coast culture is definitely a thing. You know it's funny what you say about like how we landed here. It's the truth. Like you know go back you know 100 to 125 years. You're living in you know Russia, Germany, God knows where. You know you decide that you're going to like leave your homeland forever, say goodbye to the, your family and friends forever to find a better life. You get on like some steamship. You're probably you know below decks for a month. Rats biting your ankles. You you land in Brooklyn. You're like fuck it. Far enough. I'm stopping here. You know, that's it. I mean, that's certainly <laughs> that's certainly more uh, mentally healthy than what the what a lot of, um, you know, Nordic people did, which was they kept fucking going. And then they got to like the coldest, grossest spot in the continental United States. And they were like, yeah, you know, this is good. They must have I, I thinking back, you know, historically speaking, they must have got there in the summer that's the only reason I, <laughs> I just can you imagine a group of people even from even from uh iceland right or, or or greenland being like you know where we're stopping we're stopping right here where where whole lakes are frozen over and it's negative 20 degrees and it's you know 1837 or whatever well, maybe it was balmy compared to like their their normal winters you know 
Well, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, Iceland is, Iceland is very nice. Greenland's very icy, right? Right. It's, yeah, right, it's, right. it's, it's, it's backwards. Right. Um, okay. Neil Cassidy is your underdog <laughs> name. Yeah. So have you read his books or did you read Kerouac's books or did you read Ken Casey's book? Why Neil Cassidy? Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, why Neil Cassidy? The, the, I mean, the short answer is when I first signed up for FanDuel and DraftKings and all that and they want a username, I didn't want to give my real name because it seemed shady. Uh, you know, so I, I just went, you know, with, a, you know, with Neil Cassidy. But the reason Neil Cassidy, uh, I, I don't understand how they haven't had like an HBO like miniseries on this guy yet. I mean, you know, it's just fascinating life the guy led. You know, take Neil Cassidy out of the equation. Does Jack Kerouac become Jack Kerouac? You know, does On the Road happen? Does the beat generation happen? You know, the you can really make an argument that it doesn't. Like, Cassidy was for more, you know, more or less like the muse uh, of, you know, Kerouac and Ginsburg and all this. And then, mind you, I discovered all this, you know, during my neo-hippie days in, you know, in college. So this is, you know, going on some time ago, right? But, you know, I dug it then. And then, without knowing anything right because again i'm gonna i'll date myself you know there's no internet and in when i'm discovering all this you know this is like i go to the library to find shit out uh you know then cassidy ends up going from kerouac's like you know right hand man and muse to like the merry pranksters like literally driving the bus for ken kesey you know in the electric you know with the acid tests and that's a that's a if you if any of you guys have not read the the electric Kool Aid acid test that is uh that is an A one that is an A one book yeah it's I mean it's it's really I mean it's almost it's it's almost fiction to think back like that this happened right that you know the whole LSD experience which was led by Ken Kesey and you know kind of you know brought the Grateful Dead in like so take Neil Cassie out of the equation is there a Grateful Dead is there a jam band scene is there you know like I I I I don't want to put too much credit at the guy's feet. And he didn't really do anything. Like he he tried to write. He I think you know I, the 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 book that he wrote was called the first third, and it literally is just the first third of like a book. It's not even like a completed manuscript. But like he was just at the center of it all, and he was just a fascinating character to me. Uh, and he died, you know, walking back from some party in Mexico. They found him on the train tracks. You know, he was like forty odd years old. But like the the stories about this guy and, and like any footage you see of this guy, he I mean like a fucking alien, like you know like 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 yeah. no human that has ever like walked the earth before or since, you know. Fascinated by him, I am like virtually every other human that has walked the earth before and since, you know. So, but I don't know, it's almost like a Superman type fascination I have with them, you know. I mean, so I would say the Grateful Dead still happen. You know, I think because that scene, that scene was sort of evolving and existing. But I, I certainly, certainly, but, but it, 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 it was evolving and existing around the acid tests. Like they were, they, they weren't anybody. They weren't like you know, they were just a San Francisco band that like got you know that ended up playing the acid tests, and you know, goes from there, right? Yeah, I mean, but then you start asking yourself, you know, would there have been some young other? you know, hippie prophet alien type guy that would have been around, like probably. Um but at both scenes, the same guy both times, right? That that's a lot. That's a that's a heavy lift, I think. On on the road probably is is doesn't happen or is way less interesting. Right. Yeah. And Kerouac's first book is so boring, right? Which Get, you know, getting through Honestly, getting through any of Kerouac at this stage of my life, like I, I, it's it's not easy for me. Uh, you know, Tom Wolfe, I could get through easy. Hunter Thompson for sure, but like, you know, th that that fifties era, you know, jazz writing is is a little much at this point.
is your is your brain broken from being on the internet too much like brian brian always tells me he's like i can't even read anymore you know my I, my my you know it's just like you can't do it anymore can't focus long enough it's hard much harder i i i will I can honestly say at this point if i pick up a book and i like you know like oh maybe i'll read this and i like i, I start skimming through it and i see big chunky paragraphs i'm like i know i'm not gonna be able to like get through the paragraph like without like having a pause right um so yeah no it definitely has a, i used to be the guy with like three you guys i'd have three four five books going at once now you know it's rare that i have one but i you know i could blame that a little bit on you know family stuff and everything i just don't have time to like you know luxuriate with a book but i'm also spending the most of my free time anyway you know you know fading colorado you know <laughs> right i mean i so i i wonder like does reading does reading just get phased out if this is the direction that children are going in i i've been reading uh a new a new genre of like viral thing i mean you get this on instagram it's on reddit and stuff is like these posts of teachers just being like there ain't shit i can do man there's just nothing i can do these kids they don't want to listen i don't have any ability to make them listen you know it's just it's all it's all a mess feels extremely dystopian which is you know always a question that we wrestle with here on the show talking about this stuff which is like is the world really that bad right now? Or is every society always thought the world is that bad and that the next generation is screwed and, and we're actually just um like too immersed in ourselves and our own culture that uh, actually everyone's always thought the end was coming. I, th I think, <laughs> I mean, it's, I feel like it's both. I feel like it, it, the end is always coming for every generation. Although it feels like we are ticking like ever, ever closer to actually the end. Uh, do you listen to a, uh... The hell's a plain English podcast with Derek Thompson from the Atlantic? No, mm -mm. he's it's great. You know, it's it, he breaks stuff down. He had this guy on his author's name I can't remember, and he was talking about like if if you took all of like human history that you know of like the last thirty thousand years or whatever and turn it into a three hundred page book, you know, it's basically like two hundred and fifty years per page. So like right now we're on the last page of that book. Like if time ended today, we're on the last page of the book, and like we don't even like you don't even hear the word nuclear until like the second to last paragraph, right? So it kind of does feel like we might be nearing the end of something here. Um, but I, but at the same time, I think every single generation feels that way, right? Well, so it, would I, only, it would only feel if you were nearing the end of something if the if the book was written that way you see well, what right, I'm saying no, of course no that of yes but it, but it is interesting to note that and and like for 290 pages there's there's no guns you know or whatever and like it just the last 100 200 years of civilization have been like you know going this way after like you know tens of thousands of just like hard you know to, to you know from the stone age to like 1600s not that different you know from 1920 to today is very very different well that okay yeah that is that is definitely true which is uh i mean it it it's like impossible to conceive of what that what that even means you know and and uh you know all kinds of like futurism and like what people in 1950 thought this year would be like now or if you go sure. back and what it's like back to back to the future is like happened roughly around now like i think it was maybe like three or four years ago and everything is so off like you know we don't know what five years or 10 years or 15 years or 20 years from now is uh is gonna be like but i i that that's uh that's like a a mental health hurdle that i think we all have to deal with which is like also the big i think the big thing is is like human beings definitely were not designed 
to know about all the horrible injustices that were going on all around the world at all times. Like you just cannot get online now without knowing about, you know, the war in Ukraine and a shooting happened in the United States. And, you know, there's a, a housing crisis and, you know, there's no fucking clean water and it's just, and climate change. Like you are, you are so inundated with negativity with, with the world ending and, even if even if it did feel like that, like maybe you know, say uh, you know, the King of England in sixteen hundred or whatever, you know, War of the Roses, and he's like, everything's bad, our borders are under attack, we have no food. But like the peasants wouldn't have known that, you know, right, they right. they would have been like sun shining, baby. Yeah, I mean, I guess in the you know, you only had to worry about the hundred or so people in your community, right? And now, yeah, you you can't like go. I, I actively avoid. You know, I spend. 20 odd years, you know, as a journalist, you know, for a news journalist. And uh, I love now being in this space because like, it's not like the horror du jour that I have to like, you know, it's not the murder scene that I have to go see. Right. You know, I get to write about gambling. Like what's the worst thing could really happen. But yeah, one day I kind of hope to be like, uh, you know, like when Jay Leno would go out on the street and interview people and be like, oh, you know, who's the president of the United States? I'd love to be like, I don't know. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't it be beautiful? <laughs> wouldn't it be beautiful to be like, you know, I don't know what Trump said. I don't know how old Joe Biden is. <laughs> I don't know that there's been 1900 prime ministers in Britain for the last week. I don't know that, that, uh, you know, Britain just spent a hundred million dollars on this coronation when they are at, you know, they have a, a like a, an inflation crisis, like a food crisis in the UK or actually an energy crisis too. Uh, like just even knowing the specifics of the Ukraine war, you know, horrible, like, did Alexander the Great's people even know he was fucking going on these crusades? Like, I don't, they probably didn't, right? Right, right. And if they did, it would be, it could literally be like years after the fact. And it was not, and it was not done in any context of like, this was hard. It was like your great king leader went and conquered, uh, you know, these people that you fucking hate, that you have no empathy right. for, you know. And on top of it, you weren't expected to have an opinion of it, right? And no, post oh, it on, yeah, on no. every social channel. You know. Is 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 that that's a I don't I don't know if we've ever gotten here before. Like, is is literacy, uh, you know, is literacy and intelligence and education a curse? Is is actually just being like a fucking farm worker the most blissful thing you could be? I don't know. It probably is. I've seen some studies that you know, like that show that, uh, you know, to a, a small degree, right? I mean, the more education you have, theoretically, the smarter you are. Theoretically, the more in tune you're going to be with the world around you. Theoretically, the more news you're going to consume, and probably the more miserable you're going to be as a result of it. You know, I, I try. I mean, I don't say I avoid the news, but like, I, I'm not like actively looking at news anymore because it's like. Who, who needs it? Plus, you know, I, I have a daughter. She's blonde. And according to cable news, she's going to get kidnapped at some point in her life. Oh, cable news. I, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, I've never succumbed to cable news. It's but the worst. The I worst. Think, I think that has been a big ramification of COVID stuff for me personally is just being like you. I think you can intuitively sense that it just all became more bullshit during that that time period but from from right wing right, grip, from 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 right wing grifters being like they're lying to you you're going to die if you take the vaccine to the left wing grifters being like no 100% efficacy this is like this right. is like becoming superman or or you, you know and and then every time a healthy person would die of covid right that would be you know, that spammed everywhere. It just, and it just got so fucking tiring. And, and more than anything, 
having to even use a bullshit detector period on all that stuff just became exhausting. I think regardless of your uh, political leanings, right? It just it just became fucking exhausting. Uh, yeah. Um, we you know we managed to politicize a you know a deadly disease, which is you know it's pretty impressive if you really think about it that we managed to pull that one off. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it's the news industry, which again I worked in. For, I still I still write a column for my local you know newspaper here, but uh, it it it's you know Chris Lick, the CEO of uh, uh, CNN, the other day during that Trump town hall said we did great we made a lot of news like dude you're not supposed to be making news you're supposed to you know covering the news you know but like the, the the splintering of you know the right and the left and how and covid you know was the case black lives matter all that stuff you know like adds into it um i don't know i i i i teach a class here at Ryder University it's like a communications class you know general interest you know general uh, education level whatever and i show them the new york times and fox news from the uh, Zimmerman, George Zimmerman trial from a couple of years ago. It was a Trayvon mm -hmm. Martin, right? And the New York Times headline said something to the effect of Zimmerman acquitted, right? And the Fox headline says Zimmerman not guilty, right? And they mean the same thing. Like, they really do if you look it up. Like, if you look up acquitted, it means not guilty. But acquitted sounds like got away with it, right? Not yeah. guilty sounds like didn't do it. You know, and so if if you know if you get all your message, all your news from Fox or all your news from the New York Times, you're going to be like equally diseased in the head because you're either going to be like you just have right wing you know nonsense spewing out of your brain or left wing nonsense. I'm not, you know, I'm not, and I'm not going to equate them. I think one is worse than the other, right? Yeah, it's where it's where I it's where I ultimately land too. But I I one of my big uh, scales of the eyes thing or scales coming off the eyes thing for me has been, you know, I voted for Elizabeth Warren in the 2016 primaries, not Bernie, despite, despite being more of a Bernie bro uh, ideologically, but just thinking there was a chance Liz would actually win. And also sort of this fucking very uh, 1990s West wing lib thing of like, Oh, well she, you know, she'll really get stuff done because she'll work. She'll reach across the aisle and she knows how to cut a deal and whatever. And Bernie won't do any of that. And then to see her fucking just gang up with all these banks on the crypto stuff, I was just like, man, you it's like you fucking didn't believe shit that you were saying. And that 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 pained me because I felt like I was kind of degrading my own ideology to begin with by voting for her. And then to see her be like, I don't give a shit, man. You know, that that stings. It's all politics, man. It's all politics. There, there's an Arthur C. Clarke book. I think it was Songs of a Distant Earth. I can't remember exactly. And it was a throwaway line. And it was like a paragraph that, uh, you know, some you know far-flung earth culture, you know, a thousand years down the road or whatever, that uh, politicians were chosen basically at random, right? Whether you're going to be mayor of your town or president of the galaxy, like everyone, like it was like a draft. Like if your name got called, you had to serve. And, and when you were a child, you would take an, a, a test. And the only people that were not allowed to serve were people who showed a tendency to be good at politics. Like, if you, if you were good right. at, like, being, like, a shyster kind, you, were, you weren't allowed in, you know? But, like, really, like, I, how, I mean, politicians, by and large, that I've met, a lot of them get in for the right reasons, but they never leave, you know, you know the right way. You know, it's all money it's all politics it really is you know it's just it's it's shameful but that's it's the truth 
you know? And and so Elizabeth Warren is just like everybody else. Some are better than others, you know, and some are more naked than others. And it's almost like, you know, I'd almost rather see like a straight criminal who admits to being a criminal, like be my governor, you know? I mean, that's, that's basically, that's basically the Trump selling point is that he's like, he's <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck. I, these people are all like, th that's what people claim to like about Trump is that he, he wants to drain the swamp. He does. He's not there for the political niceties, and obviously that wasn't true. He did all kinds of swampy shit right. when he was president. It, it was no different than W or whoever. Um, you know, he he was uh he was you know a, a center right populist president basically. He uh, might be again too. And well, I think <laughs> I, if I had, if you made me bet on uh Tuesday, May sixteenth, twenty twenty three, that would be that would be the guy I would bet on for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, just to on to like a, a true a true failure of leadership and organization by the Democratic Party to not make real gains uh, in the last six years. You know, they're they they just are kind of the 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 default party. You know, if you don't feel real strongly about anything, you probably vote Democrat right now. Uh, if you don't feel real strong, I think you probably vote Democrat. Yeah, I, well, yeah, maybe. You know, I think the Republicans, I think if they were smart, they, they'd never lose an election. If they just dropped, oh, like, the yes. social issue stuff, if they, like, stop talking about trans and stop, you know, let people be gay, who gives a shit? Yeah. They'd, ne they'd never lose. They'd never lose, man. If, 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 your, if your talking points were lower taxes... And, uh, well, you know, uh, I, you I could stop you, there. You, you, you could <laughs> stop there, but people also in the United States respond to the, uh, big military stuff, right? Yeah, to, sure. To, to, they, they love that and just make that. I, I, I'm totally with you. I, I actually think they're, they're killing themselves with, with the social issues. I, I think it's, I think it's just, it, it was really good when they were way behind the Democrats. It was, it was smart to mobilize a base of people who had voted Democrat since forever, the, uh, the Irish Catholics and, and Catholic people in general, it was smart then, but it's not smart now. It's the, 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 the Overton window has shifted so far away from them on that, that it's not smart. And it's, what's interesting is that you don't hear Joe Biden like saying, you know, yay, trans rights. A hundred percent. Right. Cause know. that's not popular either. Right. You just keep your mouth shut on it. It's, you know, just let it go. And probably, you know, collect votes as a result. We'll see if the Republicans smarten up heading, you know, I, you know, there's still, you know, God knows plenty of time before the next election for us to panic over, but uh, it'll come soon enough and, you know, panic will start anew. But really, if, if at the end of the day, if we're, if we're like trending towards Trump versus Biden again, like it's, that's, that just, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. That's just kind of a sad state of affairs it's, it's, for the country it's, it's, as a whole. To have uh, what is Biden will be 82 then yeah. I think is the math, and uh, yeah, yeah. Trump will be like 74, 75. It's it's not, it's just not. It's it's not representative. It's awful. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of people who are way smarter than me who've written uh, books about ways this could actually change without just throwing your hands up. The one the one I always recommend is Radical Markets by Glenn Whale. Uh, it's it's a fucking great book and and it's i i really like i really like that book and maybe i'm sure there are others out there like that because it it proposes a reimagining where you don't just have to go back to the dark ages to to regenerate a different uh structure of society and uses a lot of the tools that we have now you know ai smartphones things like that like ways we can actually use these tools to reorganize society in a in a meaningful way okay i got a, i got another question for you here while we're talking about politics right. because this one comes up to me a lot too we're all we're all disheartened with our leaders i mean i don't know i can't really 
to me, the last great president was probably FDR. So that was, uh, you know, in my great grandpa's time. And I wonder, similar to the have people always thought society is ending, were, were leaders always sort of corrupt and bad? Or actually have there been in human history long stretches where leaders, political leaders, kings, presidents, prime ministers, whoever, were actually selfless, great people? Was there a time in human history where politics attracted the best to the best because that's kind of the problem now is that politics relative to what you could earn doing literally anything else in the private sector not really where you would go if you're the best of the best right that's a that's a good point um i mean ugh. i not at the top i mean i think if you're you know if, if you're looking to be like a president a governor like you know a, a ceo type like that like you, you you have to be in it a little bit for yourself Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what's the point? I mean, this is just human nature. Like nobody is that good where, you're, you know, maybe like, you know, your local assembly person, like where it's a part time job. Like, yeah, I could see that, like where they're just in it because they want to you know help and make and, you know, do the right thing. But once you rise through the ranks and like you're you're looking at like a big, big job, like how how could you not like, you know, be crooked in some way? I would be, you know, there's no way. I would be for sure. You know, I at the end of the day, you know, I still I got mouths to feed, and you know, I want to be comfortable too. You know what I mean? So I, yeah, I don't know. You know, I I don't I, I think you know we're we're setting too high a bar. I think we're better off like getting Tony Soprano to do the job, skim ten percent off the top, but you know, keep everything. But keep, but, but but keep everything keep the on the level, moving. right? Keep right. the trains moving, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, because like the you know there are all these great just because I guess really because of the record keeping, you know, we, we don't have a ton of evidence that uh, Julius Caesar was crooked, right. Or that, or that Marcus Aurelius wrote, wrote these books, but was actually uh, a fucking shitty emperor, you know? Yeah. I, I, there's no way to know. I mean, there's just no way to know, but I, come on, how, who's, I don't know. Uh, You'd have to go back pretty far. And And it's too easy now also, right. Because again, just the sheer, volume of information and ways to make money and ways to cash in you know like you're going to tell me that like i don't know i just think about the way if i hear the slightest whisper of something in the stock market i'm running to like buy the stock you know you know what i'm saying like and that you know that's obvious no doubt i mean that is so obvious right all these people are uh which is the it should just be illegal right it should just straight it should just straight up be illegal for members of of congress uh to fucking you know manipulate the stock market but the rules allow it. I would honestly think less of like Nancy Pelosi if she wasn't generating millions of dollars based on this. Like literally, I'd be like, "You're fucking stupid. You right. you are you are a moron. Why would you not do this for yourself?" Right, right. And I, I think that crosses the line also into like, uh, you know, like when with Bill Clinton, you know, uh, the Monica Lewinsky thing. You know, like, I mean, it's not. It was nice to have a president who was like virile. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, well, sure, yeah. Imagine, <laughs> imagine Biden or Trump trying to cheat on their wives at this stage in their lives. Well, I, I mean, you don't think Trump might have been? I think you know, I, given the opportunity, Biden he, probably not. But he you know. always, to me, he always kind of looks like he's right about on death's door. Honestly, like uh, being being uh, being overweight at that age, dude, you are just asking. I'm reading, I'm reading this book about heart disease right now, right. and like ways to prevent it. And I'm just like, dude, these these old these old politicians who are overweight i just i don't know feels like they are they are like one big mac away at all at all times probably although he's probably also getting like every uh not preventative but like you know proactive 
look into his health, sure, right? That's true. Yeah. You know, that's not available like at cost to the average person, right? To, you know, to see if his arteries are clean. And if they're not, they, you know, they clean them out. Yeah, Trump, I don't know, I'm starting to get the feeling that it's, it's going to be the rest of my life is going to be somehow, some way, like, you know, looking up at this guy. He's not going anywhere so fast. One big Mac's not killing him. <laughs> well, he could be uh, he could be the governor of New York. So he he's he's president from 2024 to 2028. And then he becomes <laughs> like the governor of New York. Or can you can you be a senator after you're a president? I think you can. Yeah, I think you can. Trump, listen, man, I, you know, I, I, I don't agree with his politics. I don't agree with his personality. I don't agree with the way he carries himself. But uh, you cannot deny that the dude like he's he is. He's a fucking character, man. He's something else, man. And he, he he's no dummy either. Uh, I have one little Trump story, right? This is like 0203. I'm working for the Trentonian newspaper. It's like double A newspaper, right? You know, like if you want to use a baseball metaphor. And Trump is moving in the Miss USA pageant out of Atlantic City, moving it to Vegas, or I forget where he's moving it. Sure. And for uh, we sold some papers in Atlantic City, so I figured I'd try to get hold of the guy, right? And so I find some random phone number, Trump Tower. I get, you know, transferred this, that, the other way. I leave a message with a, with a secretary. Now, again, I am a nobody from a nothing newspaper. I'm not from the, calling from the Times. I'm not calling from the New York Post. Nothing like that. I hang up the phone. I'm telling you, less than five minutes later, my phone rings. I pick it up. This is Jeff. Jeff, this is Donald. How can I help you? Like he, And that's what he was doing with me. Imagine what he was doing with the New York Post, with the New York Times, with People Magazine, you know, he, you know, all this talk of him hating the media was the biggest, like, line of bullshit. He loves the media, you know, and he knew that, like, the media was going to, like, catapult him, you know, and they did, you know, the, I mean, it, you know, you want to lay the blame for the Trump presidency, him being elected, you could probably put it square at the feet of mainstream media who oh, could it's, not it's, stop covering it's cnn msnbc fox news they, i think i think that's almost like uh considered canon now among and they're doing it again they're, they're i mean they, they they saw what happened they're doing the same playbook they gave trump an hour on cnn like that's still like mind-boggling to me they could have they you're, you're right i mean they could have ignored this dude he, he's not on twitter anymore you there there is a world where everyone could have just got together and been like, let's not pay attention to this guy anymore. They did like a year ago, people started doing that. And then like it lasted all of like, you know, Ron DeSantis for a week, and then that was it. Everyone's like, all right, uh, well, now DeSantis we're going right, is we're like, going I mean, right he back. you want to talk about a boring weirdo, dude. Ron DeSantis <laughs> is just a boring weirdo. No one wants to no one wants to talk about him. No one wants to talk about Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz. Like Ted Cruz is one of the most pathetic people He's alive, you know. He's the worst. It's I have, by the way, I my, my my hottest take, I have the one person, there's one person in America who has expressed interest in being president who I truly believe could help heal the great divide of this nation. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, yeah. No joke. I'm not even joking. No, I like, think he I think he'd be good at it. Right? Let, run as a Republican, win as a Republican, and be be the rock, and everyone could like kind of like rally behind you. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't vote for him, but I think there are plenty of people who are center-ish people who'd be like, "Fucking Joe Biden or The Rock? I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll vote for The Rock." Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I mean, I... that's that's kind of the that's kind of uh, end stage uh, American obsession with celebrity would be just every four years a different celebrity runs as an independent and wins. Yeah, well, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if that's the way things started breaking. 
I mean, you know, and not for nothing, like, you know, Schwarzenegger, he did a fine job as California governor, like by by most accounts, you know, Reagan was a celebrity, you know, so it's it's not brand new. Right. But no, it- no, no. Reagan. Right. And, and I actually uh, I just got done listening to a podcast series about Reagan. Something I didn't know is that he actually wasn't. The the Republican uh, fairy tale telling about him, you know, the retelling of his life is that he was the biggest movie star ever. No, 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 no. He was more like uh, shit. I'm so bad at current day celebrities now. So like Chris Pratt is like the biggest celebrity. So who's like second fiddle to Chris Pratt in all these movies? No, Chris, I know. It, yeah, Chris it, yeah. Pine, maybe something like that. Like, like <laughs> no, he, he was, wasn't like his, right. He was a he he, was, he, people. He was known, but he wasn't like a superstar. He was the buddy. He was the buddy of the of the the main character in a lot of these movies, right? Which I I never I did not know that until recently, which is kind of funny. Right. No, he was. I mean, yeah, he was uh, not not a superstar, but he was a known quantity, and you know, and it, it catapulted him to you know California governor and all that. But I don't know. Yeah, but you're right. It, it does. It feels a little end stagey. But at the same time, like right now, the way it's set up, like you know, I I I think I, I forget if I said this to you or somebody else. But like I I think there's a big chunk of America that is economically conservative, relatively speaking, and socially moderate, relatively speaking. I think right? I think eighty percent of people are socially moderate. Okay, and maybe what, maybe 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 more even. And what percent are economically? they tilt conservative let's call that let's call that 60 percent. all right find me a politician find me a national politician that fits that mold that is economically conservative but socially moderate it doesn't exist because you can't if you're a democrat you can't be economically conservative if you're a republican you're not allowed to be socially liberal you know so like this wide swath of the nation that like many of us are you know then that venn diagram right we don't have somebody to that speaks for us you know at the national level Find someone who does and, and, you know, and then we might be getting somewhere. You know, I think right now, you know, social media has really, you know, I love social media. I'm all over social media. I enjoy it. But like, it really has like broken like dialogue in this country because you have like the loudest people, you know, on either side of the divide screaming the most, like me screaming moderates. It's not carrying, you know, it's not carrying any weight. Nobody cares. You know, nobody wants to hear the, the, you know, the, the boring middle path. You don't want to be, you want to hear like, you know, the crazies. Right. And that's all that we hear right now. And so like this small percentage of people dominates the conversation. And as a result, like you, you're, you're like kind of forced to pick a side. Like, do you stand with this band of crazies or that band of crazies? You don't really have a choice. And, and I mean, it is a very unique social media product. Cause then, cause then like, you know, the centrist position is you think like, oh, everything's it's, it's kind of tough to be a centrist when you're so aware of how many people are suffering. Right. That that's is when, when it's, it's hard to be a centrist when, you know, inflation is fucking insane and minimum wage is shitty. And there are, you know, that's, it, it, it becomes hard. I think it becomes hard to be like, you know, maybe in my life it works out fine for me, but then there are all these other people, and then it's yeah. But I know, think most people, at the end of the day, they, they like, don't care. You, they don't care. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I listen. I, I, I have a wife and three kids and two dogs. They are, yeah. you know, the, that's they're your, the first. That's your world. That's your that's self-contained the, world. Yeah, I got to take care of them first, and then you know, and then I'll take care of you know my neighbors next, and then eventually when I get around to it, I'll take care of the starving children in India. But I can't do it right now. You know, I got to worry and make sure my kids are eaten. You know. Right. So it's hard. It's hard to care, you know, and, and, you know, that's why I think there's so much of it is, uh, you know, I can't stand like the, you know, the fake, you know, the fakeness of a lot of things. Like I, it all, to me, it started with the Lance Armstrong bracelets 
Like, look how oh, much I yeah, care. Horrible. Look how much I care about cancer that I spent a whole dollar to wear this yellow bracelet. You know, and it's like if you really cared about like curing cancer, like you would do more than like wear a fucking bracelet. You know, and so like all that kind of like it continues on, like you know, with social media. You know, like thoughts and prayers. Man, I don't, I don't want to hear. You know, I love also like when celebrities die and people take to Twitter, like, oh my god, you know. I I'm so heartbroken over the loss of you know ex celebrity like of of Lance Riddick. Yeah, uh, come on, please. Yeah. You know, like you know you're not. Uh, yeah. Are you his family? <laughs> like, just shut the fuck up already. Have you read Infinite Jest? I know you're going to ask me that. No, I tried when I was younger, and I never got through it. And you tell me that I should read it, so I see it on your bookshelf. It's, I mean this I, this dude this dude just saw this all coming, man. He saw yeah. it all. He saw in in the fucking nineties. He saw FaceTime and and horrible political un unrevocable divide. I mean, he he saw it all coming down the pipeline. I think it should be. I think if there's one book everyone should read before they die, I think it's Infinite Jest. Which actually, speaking of um, you know, uh, uh, uh wild political opinions that he's become unfashionable these days um because he was uh to to be 100 percent fair he was abusive straight up to a couple of his ex-girlfriends like not i i don't think i don't think he ever got credibly accused of sexual assault but definitely of being like a fucking horrible uh stalking ex-boyfriend for sure so now he's now he's de passe now now uh saying you like david foster wallace it's like it's like telling a a a woman your favorite writer is charles bukowski you well, know. right. But and again, this is another like modern problem of society, right? Where like one false move and you're done, you know, where you and, and especially in art, I think it's a terrible way to go. I mean, really, if you take all the great artists, chefs, novelists, you know, thinkers of our time and before our time, most of them are shit. They're shit people. Start, startlingly, like learning, like uh, recently learning that like uh, Van Gogh was was a real dickhead to women. Um, you know, just like a lot of uh, it's it's sad, you know, but but it's true. But we like have to lot. separate it though. I mean, at the, I I I really think that like you can't, you know, I, I I think it's unfair to judge someone's art or someone's love of someone's art based on like the decisions they made, like that have nothing to do with their art. But yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, I think. But we do the, the one the one space it's hard for me to do the devolving of the art and the artist is with music because so much of their music is so personal and political, right? People love to do that. Like my old fogey uncles fucking love Neil Young. You know, Neil Young is like basically like a card carrying socialist, you know? Right. But you can't you can't tell a 65 a year old guy from Kansas that you know, after the gold rush is, is actually like a, a song about like, you know, climate change and shit. They don't, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. Don't tell them what born in the USA is all about either then. Not, not born in the USA, rocking in the free world. Born no, in, that, born well, in the... or for Springsteen though, but yeah, but you yeah. know, born in the USA, you know, it is not, it is not a, the, what they think it is. Right. You know, I don't know. Right, Clapton, I'll read, I'll, I'll Clapton is keeping the, the conservative fogies happy. Um, I, I He's touring right now, and I kind of want to go see him. But at the same hand, I'm like, I don't know. Am I going to be treated to a 10-minute speech about how anyone who's vaccinated should, like, leave the premises, <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, he yeah he definitely him and uh, who was uh, uh, Van Morrison was also very anti anti vax, you know, which disappointed a lot of people. I think. Yeah, I don't need to know shit that Van Morrison thinks. I'm fine listening to Van Morrison. <laughs> I don't need to know. I don't need to know his opinions on anything. Is it me, by the way? COVID, I, I was like high anxiety. I was like definitely on the far fringe of like you know I'm scrubbing groceries down during COVID or whatever. In my mind, though, it feels so much longer ago than the three years that it's basically. But it literally feels like a different lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I was, I was, I was very high anxiety, very high protocol for about six months. Yeah, and then I was like, I think of the point that a lot of people reach where they're like, "What am I going to fucking live like this forever?" You know, and I was like, right. "No, I'm actually not going to live like this forever." And once, once the reporting that there was a vaccine being oh, vaccine. made, it. Right. you know, I was like, I was like, all right, the scientists, the people who fucking been waiting their whole life for this, they're on it. Like, it's not my it's sort of how I feel about recycling, you know, uh, like if, if anything's really going to get fucking done, someone way above my head has got to handle recycling because <laughs> me taking my empty kombucha cans to the curb and my recycling bin it. every week. Right. It's not doing it. You know, it's it's all good. And then Taylor Swift gets in her plane to go get a smoothie and that's it. And, and my entire lifetime of recycling has been wiped out. That's a very, very, very good point. Yeah. With COVID, I, I was, uh, I would have self-injected in my eyeball that vaccine. Cause that's what I said. I had the same feeling. The scientists are on it. Once they have, once I take the vaccine, there's nothing else to do. I, I, I'm officially going fully back to everything I was yeah, doing before. That was it. I, I took it. I, I took it and I was like, all right, I'm going back to the gym. I'm doing right. whatever. It's like, and if it works, it works. You know what? If people, the, the people who have literally trained their whole lives for this, they, they did it. And if it, you know, there's nothing, I, there's nothing I can do beyond that. It just, right. it is what it is at that point. Like, unless I want to live like a fucking, you know, 1800s peasant, you know, like it's just, I'm not going to, not doing that right you know and real quick back to trump for one last time here his biggest mistake that he made during this whole thing was not saying this is joe fauci he's leading the way we're going to get a vaccine we're going to beat this thing together right if he did he would have destroyed biden in the election because even people like me who don't like trump would have to admit well shit man he got us through covid you know instead he took the exact opposite tact right and, and Trump, create... He should have called it. He should have called it the freedom vaccine. <laughs> it's, it would have worked. It was it because now because now you can look and be like, well, everything's back to normal. There's no mass mandates, and and Biden can be like, I got us through this, baby. Right. You voted for me. No more. Uh, was he just did like two weeks ago? He said it's not an emergency anymore in the United States. It's all over. Yeah, I know. No, I mean, I think I think it was a big error on his part. And as it turns out, I think as a result of it, you know, look at look at what happened politically. Right. Like we got splintered even further, like COVID became like a political issue. Oh, horrible, horrible. You know? the, wor- the worst and most annoying political debates of my time. Yeah. No, I mean, people were without like hyperbolizing here. People were dying because they were listening to like, you know, right wing talking points. Yes. Yeah. And, and it was so, it just was, it's like, I don't know, you could have, could have done literally anything else. And I even, even like, uh, if they would have just left the vaccine stuff alone and left the mask stuff alone and just been like, well, stay at home orders are a little bit, uh, barbarian, you know, that's a little, uh, a little, uh, totalitarian, you know, like maybe let's, maybe let's just not do that. I could have jived with that as a talking point. I could have been like, you know what? That's actually pretty reasonable. 
uh, let's maybe not keep people in their homes for months at a time. Right. And the right? people that, right. And, but people like me, I would have stayed in my house for those few months anyway, while all this was shaking. Well, out. I, I did stay in my house. Yeah. So did I, uh, but I totally understood that other people were like, I don't want to fucking do that. Of course. You know? Of course. Of course. Yeah. No, I definitely, uh, I, yeah, I, I drank a lot. And, uh, you know, I, just, I live, my house backs up to woods. I swear to God, I've been living here for 20 years. It backs up to woods. I never went more than like a foot deep into them. Right. By day two of lockdown, I was like, we're going hiking. You know. I just played, I played golf every day. I mean, I played golf probably five times a week that, right. that summer. So the summer of 2020, I, I just was like, what else am I going to do? You know, I got to get some fresh air. I'm just going to go golf. It was beautiful. I did. I did not do a lot of golf. I did a lot of sitting at the pool that summer, but it be during the immediate lockdown, like the April, May months, there was a lot of waking up at a five twenty in the morning to get my KBO lineup set. Oh, KBO. I remember setting, I mean, League of legends, obviously I remember waking up right. for uh, a league when they got, when they got the a league back going. I mean, what a, what a time that was just finding literally, <laughs> literally anything to gamble on. Never got in. Never got uh, hard up enough to do the Madden Sims streets. I could, I would have, except they're legal here in New Jersey. Otherwise, I would have been in the Madden Sim streets. But yeah, the KBO, uh, I, man, I, I, there was a time there, a short period of time when I could name probably eighty percent of the, you know, South Korean, you know, players. You know. Yeah, I mean, uh, Darren Ruff, Darren Ruff, MVP candidate over in the KBO. It was, yeah. uh, it was a good time to be alive uh, <laughs> all right man let's get let's get out of here ideal podcast length 55 minutes we definitely went way over that so we're gonna be we're gonna be doing bad in the uh the optimization engine here. <laughs> uh where can people find you where can they read you what can they expect to read when they find you yeah you could uh, on twitter i'm over at uh at jeff edelstein and um you find me writing at sports handle and u.s bets and uh, also host the our u.s bets podcast it's called gamble on uh, with my co-host Eric Raskin, and uh, yeah, all sorts of gambling stuff, including uh, terrible takes that you'll reading uh, this week. Everyone's mad at me because I said that the NCAA should uh, change their rules when it comes to sports betting. But that's a whole story for another day. But yeah, at Jeff Edelstein is where all the hate mail can come. There you go. All right, everyone, we're getting out of here. I will be back next week. BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.